Well, today's the conclusion of our service, of our series um, entitled Identity Crisis. And um, we've been talking about, you know, we've defined the, the Merriam-Webster's has a definition for the statement, the words, identity crisis. And it's, it's, it's a person, when you're in crisis of your identity, you don't know who you are, you don't know why you're here, and you have no understanding of your purpose. You don't really know who you are as an individual. When you're in crisis regarding your identity, you're lacking the revelation of who you are, why you're here, and what the purpose that you're on this planet for. And I just, I've said in the last previous four weeks, this is our fifth message on this, uh, in, in this series, I've, I've said that this nation, and I'll just talk about this nation, this nation is in an identity crisis. When people don't know truly who they are and they're not fulfilling their purpose and plan, many times they're trying to be somebody else, trying to fulfill other people's purpose and other people's plans. You know, you, you, can, you can look at somebody that you would deem successful and want what they have. Well, there's nothing wrong with admiring what someone else has, but when you want what they have with wrong motives because you want to look like what they look like or they, you want what they have, uh, it, it's the wrong motive. God has a plan for everybody. And you know, when it all boils down in, in life, it all boils down to this. God's the creator of everything and everybody. And, and it's, it's not just any God, it's the God of the Bible. He's the creator of all things. And he created everybody with a purpose and plan. And the Bible said, before you and I were, God had a plan for us. And one day I had a, I had a, a person come to me. They were pretty close or kind of an extended family member that's not born again or at least not born again today. And, um, and they, they made this statement to me, you know, your, your belief in God or who God is, your belief is one thing, but we have other beliefs. Or I have friends that believe other things. And I said, yeah, that's, that's great. I said, believe whatever you want to believe. So they asked me the question, so why do you think that what you believe is the only truth? And I said, why do you think I believe that? Well, because people that believe like you, they're real adamant about that the God of the Bible is the only way and there is no other way. And I said, well, if, if I do believe in that, how do you know that's not right? Well, because, you know, I don't know what she said, a couple of different things, you know, and it wasn't a bad conversation, it was just an honest conversation. But I asked her, I said, how do you know that if I believe that, I, and, and, I, and I said to her, I had never told you that's what I believe. But you've heard other Christians say that's what they believe. But I didn't tell you that's what I believe. But if I believe that, how do you know that's not true? And so we talked around and around, and we came to this. I said, what you would have to do to make a sound judgment over whether that's true or not, you would have to come and listen to what someone like me teaches and preaches. You'd have to come and sit in a church service or listen to messages online or whatever, and, and you'd have to sit long enough. And I said, you'd have to set yourself a goal for a year, for one year, to listen to the word preached on a regular basis. I'm not talking about just every once in a while. Because you're getting tons of information 
in this information highway that we live in, and it's coming in your ears and your eyes all the time. And I said, you'd have to faithfully for a year listen to certain teaching on a regular basis so that you could come to a place where you could make an honest decision about whether that's true or not. And, 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 I, and I told her, I said, and I'm not going to tell you whether I believe that or not. Someday, if you want to have a conversation about it after you've listened to some of this, then we'll talk about it. But I said, until then, I'm not going to tell you whether I even believe that or not. Because she was saying that I believe something that she never asked me about, that I never told her about, but that other people think. I'll just tell you right now, there's a lot of people in the, quote, Christian world that believe a lot of things that I don't believe. Because if I don't got it in here, I'm not believing it. You can talk Christianity and you can, you can talk Christianese and have all the right things and be filled with the Spirit and, you know, pray with other tongues standing on your head. You know? But if you don't believe the Word and you don't get the Word on what it is that you say you believe, then it's not going to work. Not for anybody. Amen? And that's why there's such identity crisis, not just in the world, but in the church. Because people don't know who they are. And today, my subtitle, um, my subtitle to this series for today's message is, Words identify you. Your words identify you. What you say about yourself and your life and the things that come out of your mouth, they, they identify you. They place you. You can be in a person's presence for five minutes and you can know things about them and know what they believe and what they don't believe in five minutes. Because most people will most people will expose themselves in who they are and, and, and the type of person they are by what they say in just the first little bit of time that you're with them. So we're going to talk about and, and just look at a number of different scriptures today that talk about our words and how they identify us. Most people's identity crisis is tied to what they say. Proverbs 18.21 says... Death and life are in the power of your tongue. Those that love it will eat the fruit of what they say, either death or life or good or bad. Death and life are in the power of what you say. Death and life are not in the power or the hand of God. Death and life is not, I'm telling you what the Bible says. People can say, no, you know, everything that happens is in the hands of God. Well, I don't get that. Everything was created by God, but not everything that happens was the will of God. See, people, something bad will happen. Like, we had, I, I saw it on the news last night, we had, we had um, we, we've had over 10 inches of rain in about the last 30 hours. You, you guys know that? Yeah. Everybody know that? Like, over 10 inches of rain we've had. Well, there's been... A lot of flooding last night when I was driving around. There was a lot of flooding and things going on. Well, things could have been destroyed. And some people will label that like an insurance policy. You've got to sign off on something that it was an act of God. But my, but my Bible says that God doesn't destroy. There's no destruction in him. So flooding couldn't be an act of God. Flooding is a result of weather that happened. It's just a result of too much rain, not an act of God bringing destruction. And there's some people in the Christian world that believes that things like that happen because God is paying us back for all the mistakes we've made. Because of the sin of this nation, God is paying us back. God doesn't have to pay us back for anything. Judgment, where this nation or any other nation on the planet of the earth is concerned, judgment's already been established. 
You walk in disobedience and a nation walks in disobedience and a nation walks away from God, they rub up against the judgment of God. But it's already set. It's not God looking at the nation and saying, well, you've done so much wrong now that I'm going to send rain and destroy you. That's not the nature of God. That's not my God. That's not the God of the Bible. You can't show me in here that God is a destructive God. There's no destruction in his nature at all. Everybody say he's good. All the time. That's just his nature. But there's destruction in the world. We see it everywhere. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness of the earth is his. But he gave authority in the earth to the sons of men. And that started the day that he gave authority to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve lost that authority, but God never took it back. They gave it away. They gave it away through disobedience. God never took the authority back. So for 4,000 years, God was limited in the earth. People say, well, you know, how could God be limited? Because he set it up that way. He plays by his own rules. I'm not telling you that God can't do something. I'm telling you that his word says he was limited in the earth to work through men. He had to find obedient men so that his son could redeem mankind back to the place that it was where Adam and Eve were in the garden with that dominion that he never took back. But he got it back for us. Now you and I have the authority and the dominion in the earth. Now we have to understand it and learn and grow in that revelation of what we have a right to be and to do. And as we do that, we liberate ourselves from identity crisis of knowing who we are, what we're here for, and what our purpose and plan is. And as we begin to do that, then we fulfill the purpose and plan that God has for humanity in the earth. And everybody sitting here today plays a part in that. Everybody. So, I want to start, I'm going to read a number of different verses out of, the, out of Proverbs. And I'm going to start with Proverbs 4. <clears throat> so we're talking about how our words identify us. Proverbs chapter 4, and it says, verse 3, Solomon is saying, When I was my father's son, tender and the only one on the side of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, Let your heart retain my words. Keep my commands and live. Get wisdom and get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will preserve you. Wisdom. Love her, and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing, and we've talked about that in the last few weeks. Therefore, get wisdom, and in all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she will promote you. She will bring you honor, and when you embrace her, she will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory that she will deliver to you. And all through the book of Proverbs, it talks about the wisdom of God and the importance of the wisdom of God. But what David told his son Solomon in verse 4 was, let your heart retain my words. So David taught him some things. What What we do here every week is we teach the truth of God's word, and what God wants us to do is to retain those words. They're not, they're not the words They're the words coming through Pastor Bert's mouth or whoever preaches. They're coming through my mouth, but they're the words of God. He is the true Father. Say that. He's the Father. Amen? So we want the Father's words, and we want to retain those words. Because when I retain them, then I understand things. Then wisdom becomes apparent. And it's something then that I, that I go after and I attain to have. I go and get wisdom. He said, get wisdom and get understanding. Because it's the principal thing. The wisdom is the how-to in the knowledge that comes from the Word of God that's preached. When you find out that greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world, there's knowledge there. But the wisdom from that knowledge comes when you go after that. 
when you begin to put that in your mouth and declare when something looks like it's overcoming you and overtaking you, you declare out of your mouth, no, 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 I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not a prideful statement. It's a statement of truth that I'm declaring that's identifying me through my words. And the more I believe that, then I put that to work in difficult times. It, 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 it's, it's very little, the Bible says there's very little profit or reward to doing right when there's no difficulty. The Bible says where the real reward is, is when we do right when it's hard, when it's difficult, and when it's tough. When we begin to, to believe that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, when He is empowering us in a moment when it looks like the circumstance is bigger than God is. Nothing's bigger than God. I can do this. I can overcome this obstacle. I can overcome the situation that I'm in. But you, you have to hear and you have to meditate on the word and you have to attain that word and then you have to apply that word. Amen? And what David was telling Solomon as a young boy, take my words, attain to those words, make those words a part of you, and, and wisdom will follow you and favor will follow you all the days of your life. And it's no different for you and I today. Can you say amen? amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 7 says this. There's a time to tear and a time to sow. There's a time to keep silence and there's a time to speak. There's a time to allow your words to be known, but then there's a time to listen. James 1 says that we have two ears and one mouth in essence, and that we need to be and position ourselves to listen twice as much as we talk. How many know and how many have experienced in your life that your mouth can get you in trouble? Hmm? It, it, it's just... It's a wrong picture for you to have your foot in your mouth, right? That's the wrong picture. Your foot was meant to be on the ground. But my foot gets in my mouth when I say things before I think. And again, our words identify us, who we are, and where we're at, and what we believe. I don't know about you, but through the years, when my words have identified some things in me that don't line up with this, I've had to spend time going after and getting wisdom and understanding to make the changes and alterations that I need. As I do that on purpose, it begins to identify me who I am. See, because the Bible says my identity is in Christ. I am in Christ Jesus. If I'm born of the Spirit of God, then I'm in Christ. And any man who is in Christ, if you're in Christ, then you're with him and not with the world. You're connected with the ways of God and not the wisdom or the ways of the world. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away and everything is brand new today. There is a revelation there that you and I have to embrace on a daily basis. That's not a one-time thing. That's an everyday thing. Reminding, no, 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 those failures, those past, I'm not going to be, as Sandra said in her little example about being in the parking lot flat on her face at Tyvee High School, uh, that mistake is not her identity. That doesn't identify who she is. She made a mistake. She tripped and she fell. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks about that. You know, and people could, can create issues or thoughts and ideas about people and put their words on people, well, she, well, that's a clumsy person. Well, that's a this or a that or the other. No, that's not who I am. No, I, I'm everything God says I am. And, and my words are what establish me there and, and identify who I am. And if I don't change my words that I speak out of my mouth that have to do with me being a loser or defeated or no good or, or only talking my mistakes in the past, then I'm not letting my present in the Word of God change the things of the past because old things are passed away and everything is brand new and we need to live that way and exist that way every day. And if we don't, then it'll, it will defeat you. I can tell you 
by experience that it will defeat you in situations or circumstances of your life. And we don't want that to happen. Amen? James chapter 3. And then we'll come back to Proverbs. James chapter 3. Where'd James go? Oh, here it is. It's on the other side of Hebrews. I was going to the left side of Hebrews. James 3. Um, There's a there's a number of things in this passage. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna read one verse and then back up. Look at verse 6 of James 3. It says, the tongue, uh, no, look at verse 5. Verse 5. It says, even so the tongue is a little member, and it boasts of great things. How great a forest a little fire kindles. Just a little bit of kindling Lit under some dry house could create an amazing blaze. And it says, even so the tongue, even so a few little words spoken against someone can create much destruction. If you you were to... um, if you were to, I'm trying to think of some place, like if you found, if you, if you saw some big, huge building in, um, in, in Fort Worth, in downtown Fort Worth, they've been redoing that whole city for a number of years, but in the downtown area there, there was a section where there were a bunch of old buildings, and they've been there for years, and they were abandoned buildings, and they've been sitting there, but they were huge, and you know, built out of old wood and it's dry and, and, and whatever else. And, and probably you could take a, just a couple of handfuls of small little pieces of wood of kindling and if you lit that building in the right place, that, that would eventually take that whole thing down. If it was dry enough and if you lit it in the right place where it would catch on quickly, it, 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 it could bring a whole building down and bring absolute destruction. And the Bible says, even so, the tongue. In other words, we weren't created to say and to talk everything we think. Right? Not everything that we think. Verse 6 says, for the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. Wow. Sounds really horrible. But back up and look what it says in verse 2. For we all stumble in many things, and if anyone does not stumble in word or in what he says, he is a perfect man. The word perfect there is mature, able also to bridle the whole body, able also to control the whole body. When, when, When there's a bridle, when there's a bit in a horse's mouth and the horse is controlled by that bit in his mouth. It's controlled. It, it lays on, on top of the tongue, David, or underneath? On top of the tongue. So it controls the tongue. So that same bit that's in a horse's mouth that causes the horse to be in control is the same picture that God wants you and I to understand that we're able to control our lives. Now, the, now it says here, let's read verse 3 and 4, indeed, We put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships for they have certain rudders. And then it says, even so the tongue. But then in verse 7 it says, for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. It's talking about beasts and, and animals. But no one, no man can tame the tongue. It's unruly, evil, and full of deadly poison. 
no man can tame the tongue. So it looks like, I mean, if the tongue couldn't be tamed, then why would he mention it? And if he said that a person that controls what he says can bridle his whole body and every movement that he makes and everything that he does in life, he can control that because he's developed and he's a mature man, why would he say that? So here's my revelation on that. No man in their own ability can tame a tongue and control what they say. But a man that is full of the Holy Ghost and has the person of the Holy Spirit convicting them on the inside, if you'll practice it, you can control what you say. You don't have to be caught every day speaking things, talking bad about someone else, being ugly about this situation and that. We don't have to control. We can control what we say if we give in to the person of the Holy Spirit. So you in yourself, you don't have the ability to shut your mouth down because you will say it. God, I'm going to say it. I don't care what anybody thinks. And people that are practicing what I'm talking about still do that. Have I done it? Absolutely. I'd be lying if I told you I'd never done it. Absolutely. I've said things I knew were wrong. And, and I'm dealing with myself. I'm breaking this thing down. I'm, I'm bringing myself under and under the control of the Holy Spirit so that everything that I say is what he tells me to say and nothing else. Shut my mouth. I have two ears and one mouth. We need to listen twice as much as we talk. Because talking will get you either in trouble or bring blessing in your life when we say the right thing. Can you say amen? So, I'm just going to read a number of Proverbs that talk about the tongue. If we read every verse in here, it'd take us three hours. I'm telling you, all through the book of Proverbs... Does it talk about the tongue? So I'm just going to read a few of them. <clears throat> you know, when, when a person, when a, I'm going to start in Proverbs 10 and then work my way towards the end. In Proverbs 10, and I'm going to start with verse 11. But, but what I've noticed just in people, when a person talks too much, when, when there's too much talk in their life, and this is just something you can receive and use to practice on yourself and, and work on yourself. But when a person talks too much, they're either talking about themselves or negative things about other people when you talk too much. When you talk too much, it's about yourself or negative about people. So if you don't, talk too much and you only talk when you need to be talking, then it's less about yourself and it's only good about other people. And the Bible says, speak blessing and not cursing all the days of your life. And why? So it'll be well with us. So follow with me in these verses of scripture. If you're taking notes, it's good to go and read these. Just, just read these verses. Proverbs 10 and verse 11. The mouth of the righteous is a well of life, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked, or anger covers the mouth of the wicked. And, and I'm telling you, that's, it, it proves itself out. Verse 13, wisdom is found on the lips of him who has understanding, but a rod is for the back of him who is devoid of understanding. Wise people store up knowledge, verse 14, but the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. Wise people store up knowledge. In other words, they think before they talk. But a fool, I didn't call you or anybody else a fool. The Bible says the mouth of a fool is near destruction because of his many words and all the things that he says. Verse 18, whoever hides hatred has lying lips, and whoever spreads slander is a fool. Whoever hides hatred has lying lips, and whoever spreads slander is a fool. Just, just words to think about. Can you say amen? Just things to think about. 11th chapter and the 9th verse. Eleventh chapter and verse 9. The hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor. But through knowledge, the righteous will be delivered. Verse 13, 
A talebearer or a liar reveals secrets. But he who is a faithful, he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. You know, I was I was asked to be one time on uh, and still am, but I was asked to be a director on a on a board of a Christian ministry. And uh, I was, you know, I was really honored. I was kind of taken back at the time, but really honored to be asked to be on this board. And um, the, the person who was the head of the ministry told me, said, you know, I, I want you on my board because I believe I can trust you. Because I believe that if I ask you to do something or I ask you not to say something or to keep something to yourself, that you'll do that. And he said, that's why I need you on my board. And I said, I, I appreciate that. And I said, you'll never have to ever be concerned about anything. If you say something in the board meeting, it will never go out of the board meeting. Well, the reason he saw that is because through the years at Gates of the City, we've practiced that. If a person's come in my office, they've got issues in their life, nobody, nobody, nobody will ever know anything about it. Nobody. So nobody in town will find out if, you know, you were some drug dealer in, in wherever and now you've come here and you've been running from the law or whatever and you've come and you shared something with me about it. Now, there may be legal imp- implications depending on the situation that I have to share but that person will know exactly who it shared with and we've always been faithful to that and nothing's ever gotten out now things have gotten out but it's never been because of us because that's how serious that we've taken it we've taken this verse of scripture very very serious where the lives of other people are concerned so that people can come into the body and have issues and get free amen so I was in this first board meeting of this ministry, like I'm saying, I've practiced this for years, and uh, something was said in this board meeting, and he said, it can't go out of here. There's, at the time, there were 15 board members in, in this room, and I said, the information that I'm giving you right now, the leader said, I, it cannot go out of this room. And about two months later, I'm talking to one of the board members and we're, ta- the, you know, it didn't go out of that group of people. So we, he and I are talking about this. And he said, uh, I'll never forget this. This is what the guy said. He said, you remember so-and-so, you know, the leader said, don't share anything about, you know, this situation. But I told so-and-so, but they'll never say anything to anyone else. And I thought... You're a liar. What do you mean? If, if, I'm, if, I'm, if Dale's in my office and he's sharing something with me, I'm going to tell Dale right up front, my wife might know about this situation, but nobody else. And if I tell anybody else, it'll be because you and I talk about it and I'm revealing that to him. But my wife will always know. I can't keep things from my wife and that person will know so before they tell me, they know that my wife knows. I didn't say, I didn't say my children. I didn't say elders in the church and this. Well, you know, I'm not telling anybody but, you know, I gotta tell my wife and then I gotta tell them and I gotta tell them and that you're a liar. You're a liar. You're a liar. The Bible says you're a liar. So just make sure if you're keep holding it, the, the, this verse in verse 13, a talebearer or a liar reveals secrets, but he who is a, of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. So just make sure that you, you, you don't say I'm not telling anybody and then you're going to tell somebody and tell them not to tell anybody. No. Tell the person that you said you're not going to tell anybody I'm going to tell them, and that's all. These are things that make us as individuals. You you find out that you can really never tell a lie. I, I, I really know I will never divulge a secret of another person's life to anybody else. 
There's all kinds of things that I know about people, and I will never let those things out ever, ever, ever. I will go to the grave, and they'll never come out because I'm not a talebearer. So see, my identity is in, my identity is in holding fast to the words of my mouth. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those that love it will eat the fruit of it, whether it's death or life. And what we choose to do in that way identifies us in our lives, whether we can be trusted or not. Can you say amen? Proverbs 12 and verse 14. A man will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth. A man will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth. And the recompense of a man's hands will be rendered to him. The way of a fool, verse 15, is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. He knows, he knows what's right within himself. Um, you know, when... I want to read one more verse and then we'll say something about that. Verse 18. There is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. What you say will promote health to your body. But anybody ever use this phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? Number one, that's not a scripture. And number two, it's a lie because words bring destruction. They bring destruction or life. Words do. What we say out of our mouth brings life or death for our life. But actually, what I say over myself can bring health to my body is what, is what we just read. And, and the way that we say things there's one who speaks like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise promotes health. There's one that brings a word in such a way that it's, that, that, that its presentation is ugly. You know, if I, if I, if I came and, and I, I, I made Dale and Isabel a, a meal, and let's say that, you know, I, that they like steak and potatoes and this and that and the other and, 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 and so I cooked this meal for them and I mean it looked really good and it was on two different plates and I took it and shoved it in their face well it looked really good on the plate but it's delivery was not so appetizing especially when you're wearing it agreed so they're they're there are words that are like the piercing of a sword or there are words that can come in such a way that they can actually, they can even be words of correction and rebuke, but they can build up. And how we do that and how, what we, how we develop our own hearts and, and position ourselves in life, how we develop the Word of God inside of us will be how we deliver the Word. Because when, you're, when the Word of God has delivered you, when a person is delivered and free of issues in their life, man, then you're, you're free to give liberty and freedom and forgiveness to other people. And you'll deliver it in a right way. We're talking about words identifying us. Proverbs 13. And verse 3. He who guards his mouth preserves his life. But he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. He who guards his mouth preserves his life. 
but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. So, at the end of the day, how you say things matters. The way we deliver specific things truly matters. Proverbs 25 and verse 11, and I'm going to read this out of the, I'm going to read it out of the Message Bible. Just hold with me for a second. Twenty-nine, eleven, in the message. Oh, twenty-five. I already had twenty-nine. 25-11. I like this. The right word at the right time is like a custom-made piece of jewelry. Is that up there? The right word at the right time is like a custom-made piece of jewelry. In the New King James, it's, it says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in the settings of silver. But a right word. So it does matter what you say and the way you say it. Um, in, in series we taught last year, on Wednesday, I think we took about 10 or 12 weeks in teaching on the gifts of the Spirit. And several of those gifts are personal word gifts, like the word of wisdom or the word of knowledge. Um, and, and the word of wisdom or, and the word of knowledge or uh, prophecy as, as a word is spoken. Um, you, can, you can hear something correctly you can hear something that is correct, but if you deliver it in such a way that, it's, that it is exposing or it hurts somebody and it's not edifying and uplifting, even if it's a word of correction, you, it has to be spoken at the right time and in the right way. You know, you can know something about someone's life and you can, you can be ugly and want to point something out and just show them how wrong that they are. And I'm telling you, that's not a word that will be like a beautiful piece of jewelry. It'll be a word that is hard and it's at the wrong time and it'll end up bringing destruction even though it's the truth. Even though it's the truth. It's the way we say it. I've seen people that have had prophetic words given to them and they've never served God a day in their life after it because of the way that it was delivered. Because it was harsh and it was hard and, and, it, and it exposed them and made them look like a fool in front of people. I, I'm convinced today that in, in, in more and more cases that things that we get for other people need to be done one-on-one. Where, where it's just one-on-one with, with another person. Not always, but, but in a lot of cases it's that way. Because not everybody needs to know everything about your life. That, that's why so many of these verses of Scripture and Proverbs that talk about our words, talk about how, like, like the one we read earlier, you know, that a wise person conceals a matter. A fool will just say whatever they think. And, and, and they'll be quick to, to say they're not going to say things and then end up saying them. And we need to make those corrections in our life. If we want to we know who we are in Christ and we want to walk in the fullness that God has intended for his people to walk in, then we've got to know who we are where our words are concerned. And we got to take our words really, really serious. Can you say amen to that? Um, just a couple of more verses. Um, Proverbs 17 and verse 27. Seventeen and twenty-seven. He who has knowledge spares his words, and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. Everybody say calm. He's of a calm spirit. You know, the Amplified says he's, he's cool. He's cool. Cool, man. 
dude. Hmm? <laughs> A man of understanding is dude. Cool. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lip, he's considered perceptive. Didn't say he is, he's counted that way. Even a fool looks smart if he just shuts up. So the more we keep our mouths shut, the cooler we look. Hmm? If the Bible says that's so, then it's so. You don't even have to be wearing the right clothes. You can look cool if you just shut up. You know why? Because um, you're a mystery. Well, do you know so-and-so? You know, he won't talk. I don't know. I don't know anything about him. Well, did, did, uh, so, so did you ask him? Yeah, but they just said yeah. They just looked at me and said, yeah, and, and then didn't give me any information. And, and, and so that person might be a fool and maybe not, but they look smart. They look cool, right? I don't know about you, but I want to I be cool, cool spirit, hmm? calm spirit. Whew. That's huge. Proverbs um, Next one over, 18, 20, and 21, we've read one of those. A man's stomach will be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth, and from the produce of his lips he'll be filled. There lies all, as I've been reading these verses of Scripture, there lies the will of God for your life. You keep your mouth shut, you'll be filled. Keep your mouth shut, you'll be strong, you'll be healthy, you'll be prosperous, you'll be all these things as we watch what we say out of our mouths because our words identify us. And the good thing about that is if you're an honest person and you're not afraid of change and you need to make changes in your life and what I'm saying to you today, it shouldn't be a negative, it should be a positive. You know what? I need to shut up. You know what? I need to just keep my mouth shut. You know what? I need to quit talking about people like that. You know what? I said that about somebody the other day. Lord, I repent today. I mean, is that going to cause bad things to happen in your life? I'm telling you to make things even better. Huh? And what you're doing is setting yourself up to be on the receiving end of all that God has for you to accomplish on this earth. He has plans for our life. But when we can't be trusted because of the words of our mouth and the way we act and our reactions toward other people can't be used. It's not that God doesn't want to use us. He can't trust us. Amen? And he can't. And, and here in verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat the fruit of it. Uh, Amplified says whether death or life. Amen? And then Proverbs 21 and 23. Whoever guards his mouth and his tongue keeps his soul from trouble. Host, you can start preparing for, the, for our communion this morning. Whoever guards his mouth and his tongue keeps his soul from trouble. And I just, I want, I want to say this because this is really important about our soul. Just something that's, it, it's elementary, but it's, it's something that's got to be understood all the time in our lives. That our soul, our mind, and our will, and our emotions are what we've got to focus on and take serious. When we're born again, we're born, we're born again spiritually. We've been born a second time. You're born of the flesh, and then you're born of the spirit. So our second birth is where our identity has to become if we're going to live victorious in this earth. If I'm identified just with my grandparents and my parents and my heritage, and, you know, uh, those people were crooks and the next group was crooks, and my parents were crooks. No, they weren't. I'm just saying, and my parents were crooks. Well, I'm a crook. It's because your identity is in your first birth. 
Today we're identified with Christ. Any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Right? Old things are passed away and everything's new. My new identity is in Christ. And, but what has to happen, when I was talking to the family member of mine, as I told the story in the beginning, when I was talking to the family member of mine, as I was discussing with her, I said, you know what? Until you come and hear different things than what you hear all the time, nothing's going to change in your life. It doesn't matter whether you get, you can get born again, and not hear and listen to any word and grow and, 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 and renew your mind and your soul and things won't change in your life. You'll stay the same. Only difference is you'll be born again. But a born again person, there's a desire inside of them to want to grow. But the growth comes in our soul. And, and he that in, in that, in this verse in 21 and 20, uh, what did I read? 23 Whoever guards his mouth and his tongue keeps his soul from trouble. So the soul remains in trouble until we get the tongue right. So I can know something in here, but yet up here I believe it because I've not renewed my mind. And I'm telling you, every single time this will win out because the Holy Spirit will not force an issue in your life. That's why people want to say, well... I just give it to God. I'm just giving it to God and expecting God to take care of it. Well, there's, there's a truth to giving something to God, to casting the care of something over onto God. But there's also the truth of you taking responsibility for your actions and doing something about it in the power of the Holy Spirit. So when I position myself to hear the word and I renew my thinking and my mind, now my mind and my spirit are getting on the same page. My mind will not just get on the same page of my spirit unless I allow the word to cleanse and water and wash my way of thinking. It's got to change. So your soul gets out of trouble as you keep your mouth and you learn to keep your mouth as you renew your mind. So it, one always ministering to the other, one always complimenting the other as we stay in the process and allow the word to work. Can you say amen today?